Hello and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast. This is volume 11, issue 532 on Hades. Joining me, Leon Cox. Wait a minute. I have neither the voice, the disposition, or the, frankly, knowledge to to, to, to cover that up. Uh, I'm James Carter, not Leon Cox, as I said, would be uh, hosting this particular issue last week. Not relevant if you didn't listen to Stranglehold issue, but uh, for this one, I'm James Carter. I am joined by Leah Hedu. I don't know why you wouldn't listen to the Stranglehold issue. That's It's gold. You should go back if you haven't. <laughs> Strangle gold. Uh, <laughs> yes. that's, that's just where we're at, unfortunately. Uh, and also, Rich Davison. Hello, mate. Hello. How are, <laughs> how are we all? Um, we're talking Hades, uh, obviously. Um, we'll start off with a definition of what we think Hades is. We'll be spending a good couple of hours talking about it, but let's start with a single sentence and see where we go from there. Hades is a dungeon-crawling roguelite hack-and-slash set among the pantheon of Greek gods. That's a lot jammed together. We're going to unpack it. Don't worry. Uh, in addition to this, we have our first piece of forum feedback. So on canonrinse.com forward slash forum, Jay has very kindly set up a thread for each and every game that we're going to be covering, each and every issue, uh, where you can go and leave your uh, feedback, what you thought on the um, on the particular game, and we will read through it as and when. In this case, Bixer went to our forums and says, After Hades opened my eyes to the possibility of being able to enjoy the roguelite genre, I've since tried a handful of other notable titles like Enter the Gungeon and The Binding of Isaac to see if I'd been missing out after all. Nope. Both quickly reminded me why I'd shown no interest in the genre previously. Turns out Hades really is just special after all. Um, I wanted to put that here just because I think it's... uh, the way a lot of people came to Hades, it's a roguelite, absolutely. It fits within the roguelite, roguelike um, sort of subgenres, but it's going to be a lot of people's first and maybe only one that they've enjoyed. So I think it kind of made sense to introduce that notion here. The other thing we need to introduce here is a spoiler warning. The mechanics of um, Hades, as much as the story and are intertwined with the story, are all up for grabs in our discussion. And they're all kind of things that can could spoil aspects of the game. So fair warning, from here on out, we're going to be talking everything Hades. If it's a game you want to experience before listening, please go and do so. And do come back. Please. Let's tuck straight into our histories before we get on to any development stories. Um, I thought we would start with you, Leah. How did you come to Hades and uh, how have you played Hades, I guess, is the other question there. Yeah, so I have played uh, almost all of Supergiant's games previously, which I mentioned when we did the issue on Pyre, uh, which has been a few weeks ago. I'm not 100% sure of the issue number of that, which I should have looked beforehand, but, you know, we... Oh, 524. We'll yeah. I see it. It's down in the notes. It would help if I looked at the notes. Uh, yes, I, I have played a number of uh, Supergiant's other games and greatly enjoyed them. I don't think I was very sure about this one before it came out. It looked like something that I would enjoy just kind of based on the style, but I don't think that I was really interested in a roguelike or roguelite at that time. It, I, I have enjoyed some roguelikes and rogue, roguelites before, uh, and 
I, you know, I, I'm not sure why exactly this one didn't immediately jump out at me, but it didn't right away. And also it was in um, early access for quite a while, as I recall. Yeah. So I, I, I have kind of a, um, I don't think it's entirely irrational, but I, I do tend to shy away from most early access games just mm -hmm. because if I sit down to play a game, I kind of want to play through the whole thing. And a lot of times that's not possible with an early access game. Sometimes it is. Sometimes early access is really just kind of a thing that they say when really it's pretty much done. But in this case, I wasn't sure and I had a ton of other things to play at the time. So I didn't jump on it right away. And then when it came to Xbox Game Pass, that was the first time I really started to kind of sink into Hades proper. I, I played... Uh, I, I don't actually know what my game clocks were in either of the versions that I played, so I'm not going to go there. But I played through until I had done the 10 clears uh, on the Xbox version. And I I think that I got pretty frustrated at the beginning because I, I just hit a wall and I did not, mm. I, I wasn't really able to see around it for a little while. And then once I broke through that, it, it all just kind of started to make sense and I didn't have any issues after that and really ended up enjoying it. But uh, yes, I ended up doing the 10 clears on uh, the Xbox version. Um, I guess it would be the uh, Xbox Series X would have been what I played it on. Mm. And then at some point, I'm not sure when I did this, but at some point I also picked up the uh, PS4, PS5 version on some kind of sale. So I have it on both consoles now. And this past week, week and a half or so, I have been replaying and haven't gotten to the full 10 clears on the PS5 yet, but I'm at like four, I think. I'm, I'm trying to do some new stuff and try some of the weapons that I didn't mess around with much the first time. So uh, that's taking... It's not even that it's taking a little bit longer because I now I kind of have my Hades legs under me and didn't have that break through the wall uh, thing going on. But yeah. yeah, it's it's a little bit less. I just want to get through this and see the end of the game and a little more. I, I just want to kind of mess around with stuff and see what it's like. So, yeah, that's I've been through the game uh, on two different consoles uh, and complete completed it on one. Nice. Excellent. Uh, Rich, how about you? Yeah, so well, again, we kind of know where you come from with uh, with uh, Pyre, but uh, I guess Supergiant in general and Hades in particular. Yeah, so um, if you listen to the Pyre show, you know that I'm a huge, huge fan of, of the Pyre game. And when Hades was first announced, it it, it was just a no brainer. You know, I, I kind of give Supergiant a, a bit of a pass. Like I'm I'm going to pick up whatever it is that they put out um as quickly as possible, which is a really interesting way of kind of going at Hades because, of course. When it did come out in early access in 2018, I wasn't there. Not least of which because I don't really have the means to play it. You know, I don't really have a gaming PC, and I didn't have um like well, I I don't really like playing stuff like this on a Switch because uh ergonomically it just doesn't really suit my sensibilities. So I was quite happy to wait until I believe looking at the notes here, August the 13th of 2021, when it came out on both PS4 and PS5. So literally. Uh, 366 days uh, since the, the game came out. <laughs> I have about 49 hours on the clock, which is uh, not a, a small amount, but it's certainly not as much as I've got with with uh, with Pyre. And I have obviously cleared through the game. I think I've got something like 60 to 70 uh, full clear-throughs of, of Hades. And um, yeah, I re really like it. it. It's a fascinating one to approach, though, because in, in general... 
I don't really like picking anything up in quote early access which is essentially a, like a beta and that that's primarily because of what I do for a living in in IT development uh, I like to play things when they're, they're perfectly complete but I I do think that part of Hades success is because of the way that they exercise some of that um that kind of beta early access kind of life cycle to try and sort of drive as much quality in before before it came out as a full release um yeah so i'm looking forward to getting this one and i I guess i'll park my thoughts there for now excellent thank you very much um yeah i guess you've got three super giant fans on uh on on this particular issue um i have been on each of the super giant games that we have covered um as mentioned we covered pyre a a mere eight issues ago in uh, 524 um for which the three of us were all on that particular recording um, previous to that, we covered Transistor in issue 183 a long time ago, back when I was but a wee bairn. Um, and even uh, previous to that, Bastion we covered in issue 10. So Pyre and um, Hades kind of coming thick and fast here to round out the four games that Supergiant have released so far. Um, I, If there was going to be a game that would have got me into early access, this was it, and it didn't. So I guess that tells you where I fall, similar to you, Leah, on uh, on early access. Um, I think the reason being that, um, and the the developers, the, the designers at um, Supergiant said that they knew some of their fans would hold on for full release. They wouldn't want to get kind of part of a game, even though it was kind of released area by area through early access, and it was very polished. Well, I'm sure they wouldn't agree, but it was kind of, there was a lot there of the first eight, first two areas when they, they initially released it in early access. Um, but I, I didn't go for it. However, I will say for early access games, this is the one that kind of breaks the pattern, which is loads of press coverage at the early access release and then absolute radio silence from anyone. Now, I'm not talking about the developer. I'm talking about coverage within podcasts, games media, websites, YouTube coverage, that sort of thing. It just tends to die off in my experience from some, as someone who listens to a lot of gaming podcasts until the final release and that's when it kind of gets another round of coverage um, that wasn't the case for this I definitely listened to a couple of different podcasts where people were reporting on, not every week but like every so often there'd be an update and someone would come back and talk about it which meant that by the time this came out as its final release um, on PC, Mac and Switch in September uh, 2020 I was ready to go, except I had a couple of Kane Rinse games to cover. Um, Return of the Obra Dinn, I think it was, I was playing, uh, and Oxenfree. Um, so I ended up delaying till like November, squeezed it in just before the new consoles uh, were released, uh, way back when, when we were, yes, in pandemic times, and yes, new consoles, um, and uh, played it uh, then, and, and made it on Switch. I held out for Switch, Kind of opposite to you, Rich. Um, Switch was the platform I would have preferred to play on. There have been other games where I kind of waited for the Switch release to play it, and this was one where I probably would have done the same. Uh, it completely is in keeping with my sensibilities to to play handheld on Switch for a game like this. Um, and I completed through to 10 playthroughs like you, Leah. I think I had a little bit of a kind of a wall to get through in the early going. Um, and then... August 2021, when it came out onto Xbox Series X, I know that by August 26th, so 
less than two weeks later, I had all thousand uh, achievement points, had completed the game through more than ten times by that point, um, and just completely went for that game uh, when it came out on on Game Pass. Um, this week, I picked up the Switch version again and have had a couple of runs with uh, with my old save. So you know, a good number of hours. I think it's about sixty hours into into that that I am, um, but haven't put massive amounts of time because I wasn't expecting to be on this issue, but here I am. Um, and actually dedicated more of my time this week to watching some of the Noclip documentary uh, on the making of, which was done throughout Early Access. And I would absolutely recommend anyone who's interested in this game, who's listening to this podcast, I mean, get to the end of this podcast. Clearly, this is where your focus mm-hmm. should be right now. So, as mentioned, developer is Supergiant Games, publisher is Supergiant Games, um, they're a fairly small team. They're much bigger now than they were when Bastion came out uh, more than uh, a, 12 years ago now, I guess it is. Something around there anyway. Um, sort of key personnel, uh, they have a, a team of designers um, who are Amir Rao, Gavin Simon, Greg Kasavin, uh, Eduardo, Eduardo Gorenstein, and Alice Lai. Apologies for pronunciation if any of those aren't correct. Um, other sort of... I could read the entire list, I'm not going to, but other people who kind of pop up in all of Supergiant's games because they've been there since very early on. Um, Lead artist is Gen Z um, and uh, composer and does other sound design aspects as well, um, Darren Korb. You will see some of these names pop up all amongst the credits because obviously it's kind of all hands on deck thing, but also amongst some of the voice acting as well. So it really is um, kind of everyone gets involved all over the place. Um, apologies, obviously I can't read through the entire credits list, but I just wanted to pick out some key names that people will recognise from Supergiant there. Um, so in terms of release, release, we've kind of mentioned several of the key dates. Uh, the Game Awards was the original early access release on Epic Game Store, which again, something that can lead to a big backlash. About a year later, came to Steam. Um, again, anticipated a backlash because of how the game had been rolled out and it being early access. Um, nine months later than that uh, came to PC, Mac and Switch and then as we've mentioned August 2021 is the most recent release which was PS4, PS5, Xbox One and Xbox Series consoles, so S and X um, we are now covering it as Rich mentioned, almost exactly a year to the um, the, the final console release there um, and reviews wise, this game has done I think it's fair to say by most measures incredibly well um we have a 94 on open critic recommended by 99 percent of 180 critics which for a, a indie game as this is 180 critics is a huge number to, i don't have points of comparison off the top of my head but that just seems much larger than i would expect for for this number of uh, for this type of game um, and user reviews, that bears out as well. Uh, Metacritic, the various versions fall between 8.6 and 9.0 on user reviews. And Nintendo Life had 423 reviews, putting it at a 9.0. Push Square, 176, putting it at an 8.7. And then we get to the big numbers. IMDB, uh, which always has quite good um, response. Uh, 1.5 thousand uh, user reviews, giving it an 8.9. And Steam is overwhelmingly positive and still sits at 98% from 180,000 uh, user reviews, which is astonishing, uh, frankly, even by Supergiant's pretty lofty uh, bar that they've set themselves. And that bore out in sales too. During its 
two year long early access Hades sold so uh, Epic and Steam this is uh, 700,000 copies and within three days of its official release on PC, Mac and Switch it sold an additional 300,000 copies um, for a sales total of over 1 million that is as of 20th of September 2020 since then with sales on uh, those original formats uh, and then the release especially with Game Pass as well sales becomes less relevant but number of players this has been a, a huge success let's get on to the game one of the things that Supergiant are lauded for being um, the kind of story, the narrative, and how that particularly goes with uh, writing and the the voice acting uh, for each of the characters. Um, we've got a fair amount of, um, of listener feedback that I wanted to try and include because this is a very popular game. Um, so I'll hand off. Leah, are you able to cover uh, the first piece of listener feedback on story? Sure. Uh, This is from Ryan, who posted on our Patreon to say, What I love most about Hades is the rich story with a cast of interesting and wonderful characters who inhabit the world. The game is fast and runs flyby in what feels like an instant, but you never feel rushed in getting to know the gods and demons you come across. It's a huge credit to the writers and artists who poured their hearts and souls into bringing them to life. Thank you very much. And we'll bounce straight into the next piece of feedback, if you could, Rich. Yeah, so DeMont from the forum says, I think the real obvious standout is the writing, instantly charming dialogue without delving into marvelesque quirky banter. So much script that it took about 150 hours, I think, for me to start hearing repeats. But the best part? I was checking through the mirror, switched to the other side of upgrades, and on accident, and switched back instantly, Zagreus actually said, oops, not that. Such a small foresight that couldn't be, that couldn't be more mind-blowing. I would say that it's mm. it's interesting to me that when people talk about this game you don't hear I, I i don't think that i would completely say that visual novel belongs in its description mm-hmm. but it has a lot of character interaction and dialogue from the the different gods goddesses mm-hmm. demons everybody that you run across and that's not something that gets talked about, I think, as much as the fact that it is a roguelike mm-hmm. or a roguelite or whatever. I, I, I'm I going to end up saying both <laughs> of those every time I say that. Uh, but the, the gameplay is kind of the thing that comes to the fore for the most part from what I've heard and from what I've read. But there's a ton of actual story here and just dialogue and, you know, not... Not just the gameplay, I, I think, in, in this situation. It's not quite as heavy a balance towards that as in, for instance, Pyre, mm-hmm. where I think that the story is more kind of front and center. Yeah. But it's it's more than you would think, or more than I would think, at least. What I would say yeah. for yeah. me is that it follows the kind of standard um, Supergiant kind of fare, which is to say... You know, it begins in media res, which I think is a really bold, if not predictable, move from Supergiant. Because, of course, in a roguelite or a roguelike, for example, like trying to ground the player and establish a player has to be something that's really, really important. You know, you've got mechanics that are going to change on every single instance. So putting the player into a position where basically you are uncovering story beforehand and then subsequent to the point that you, the, the you kind of began the game must must be a kind of really tricky thing to do and it goes back to that uh quote that we mentioned from the pyre show from greg Casavin about 
how they like to trade in confusion in that negative confusion space. Mm. So, you know, like the the there's a real elegance and and craft to the the kind of uh, the story and the plot that I would say that's like endemic uh, emblematic of of what goes on in the Supergiant Studio. Um, the script for this game is three hundred thousand words long. That feels like a this is the largest Grand Theft Auto map we've ever had sort of statement. But in this case, without a point of comparison, 300,000 words is a huge amount of dialogue to have in a game that most of the time you're running from one chamber to the next. Playing through the, the sort of game part of it, if you like, that, and that's not a fair way to put it, but the action part of it, rather than spending a lot of time talking. But there's a lot of incidental dialogue. You're picking up stuff, uh, picking up... Um, uh, pickups and uh, boons in the game and you are having that dialogue there you can kind of tab through it all but that's a lot of uh, a lot of script to be getting through which is why as demand said you can play for 150 hours and not really hear any repeated lines um, mm. which is ludicrous but also i think benefits from having kind of developed the game over two years worth of early access and being able to keep adding to that script and um, each of the areas and the characters. And it's uh, impressive to me hmm. too, uh, this is just building off of uh, what the our previous piece of correspondence said, um, that it, it very rarely sounds like just kind of a throwaway line. It's hmm. almost always in context of something. So even when you are picking up your boons and you're speaking to the um the the gods who are providing them to you they'll make reference to like oh i see you've already talked to zeus or you know and and you get kind of yeah. little snippets about how they feel about each other through that which yeah. i thought was really interesting the kind of classical greek mythological thing is is, is an inspired kind of setting for this game and i was having a think to myself today like could this game exist in the absence of of that greek mythology and of course the answer is that it could but i think what 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 the Hades does in particular, and and if we look at some of the the kind of contemporary games that caught that um mythological setting, like God of War, for example, is it doesn't deviate from the whole um like frivolity of um like Greek politics. You know, these people have no um, or rather these gods, if you like, have have no kind of um I guess like real animosity towards one another. It's all just a game, and it's all like mm. you know like just just banter in, in many ways and, and like zagreus kind of fits into that neatly because as far as i'm aware zagreus is, is made up entirely for this game zagreus does exist in greek mythology but is a bit of a i think it's fair to say gray character in that his backstory who he is son of and who he is related to is kind of a it's a gray area in terms of interpretation of myths. So we're already in the grayest of the gray areas anyway. Um, apologies to any ancient Greek historians who don't <laughs> feel that's the case, but <laughs> these are not necessarily hard written down facts. So, um, and not real people. So, you know, yeah. they're, they're all myths <laughs> anyway. So, but, but um, I think yeah, like so the, the point that I was trying to get at and, and perhaps not kind of nailing is that that, that kind of like, you know the the synergy between rogue light mm. gameplay and the whole frivolity of gods bickering and arguing with one another just just comes down well it's like a game of chess almost where it it's not a, a life yeah. or death thing it is just a kind of scenario through which things are, are told and it just lends itself yeah really well yeah. to to that style of gameplay 
Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it also lends itself to the sort of not non-linear, but kind of um, not strictly paced story rollout that you get from the fact Absolutely. that Zagreus is this grey character. That not only do we not know who Zagreus is in Greek mythology, we don't know what this game's interpretation of Zagreus is going to be, and the fact that it's kind of murky who his parents were in Greek mythology, the game uses that to say here's our interpretation of it, and it's a mystery even to the people, even to the characters, the gods in our game. They don't really know who his parents are, and keeping that a secret from them becomes part of the story. It's it's really nicely blended together with the fact that you're going through repeatedly, each time having a new conversation that not only reflects the fact that you are dying repeatedly in attempts to, to escape Hades, but that your motivations are going to evolve as you go through the game as well. And listening, uh, James, to what you were saying about him being kind of a, a murky, like not very well defined character, mm. I, I think that that is something that they probably seized on. Like, I don't know. For sure. I, I mean, maybe there was a lot of of debate about it, but I, I think that the fact that they could kind of mold him to whatever um, was needed for the story mm. was probably just ideal there. Yeah, it gives um, them latitude. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, so be- before we crack on into some of the other characters, um, I'll uh, I'll pop in a another piece of forum correspondence from Buscalilli, who says, after hearing TCGS along with a few friends, did we really need to bring them into this? <laughs> Buscalilli, did we? Did we? Re- you could have just said, after hearing a few friends bang on about this for all of 2020, I had to give it a go. We didn't need TCGS to get involved, did we? Anyway, Buscalilli from the forum also says, I think this is a game that absolutely nails it across the board. Mechanically, Hades is satisfying to play moment to moment. The metagame is compelling on top of the individual runs. The story is tied into the mechanics beautifully, and then the story is actually good and heartfelt and well told with great voice acting. Um, So... We've heard, obviously, a little bit about Zagreus and where we come from, but the cast of characters in this, I think when I think back to Pyre, and I mentioned it on the Pyre recording, I'd played Hades first, then came to Pyre and sort of saw a lot of, oh, this this is kind of a stepping stone towards where they ended up with Hades. Not in a dismissive way about Pyre, it's just you could see ideas they had with Pyre that kind of came through. And having such a large cast is absolutely something that I think they then blew out even further for this but more because they had a very sort of key set of core relationships from Zagreus to various family members and and uh very sort of personal relationships he has with some of these characters I think that then also points back to Transistor for me I absolutely loved the core relationship at at the center of that game but also back as far as Bastion where you've got a sort of core is it three or four characters? Three plus the um, the uh, narrator, so four there in total. That that is a very core sort of central group, and it feels like some of these relationships are that tight and close, um, right from the off. But with such a huge cast, it's a daunting cast. Looking at this list, we can't possibly go through every every character on this list. I think all we can probably do is pick out like. We've talked about Zagreus. We probably want to talk about Hades, and then it's just going to have to be a few key yeah. um, favorites, I guess, almost. Um, so let's start talking. I guess Hades. Let's uh, tuck into that the the eponymous character um, for this game. 
Um, although Hades also refers to the region because Hades just becomes a kind of catch-all for the, the underworld being the Greek god who is in charge of it all. Um, Leah, Hades a character that struck you or um, any particular thoughts about that character? I, I mean, I think he's he's kind of the big mystery, right? Because you know that he's this gruff. Uh, I, I don't even dad. I don't even know really how. Yeah, he's he's a dad. Um, he, he is a a um, uh, he's not rude, but like he just he is very strict, and he he obviously does not want his son leaving, but you don't really find out why until you have been through the game a number of times yeah, some might yeah. say 10 of those times <laughs> is when you uh is when you start Actually, to kind of figure yeah. it out yeah but i i mean he's you know, and you get some kind of interjections as you start some of your runs the mm -hmm. more that you do where you'll just get kind of little snippets of how Hades feels and the things that he's trying to impart onto onto his his son and you know i i think that probably most people are going to think okay yeah there's there's more there than just he's mean and yeah. he's he's mean old dad and he you know he doesn't he's, he's he never lets he never lets Zagreus do anything fun like go to the overworld mm -hmm. um i think most people are going to pick up you know pretty quickly that there is there is something more to it than that but they do, I think that they do a good job in kind of rolling out what exactly that is and kind of what his problem is, in my in my opinion. Also, that fight is tough. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's especially the first couple of times when he stood there. back up. Oh, oh God. God. I, I said bad words yeah. uh, that <laughs> I can't say on this podcast, but I definitely <laughs> said them at my TV the first time that I got there. <laughs> and I scraped through the first phase of that fight and i was like oh yes oh i did it i did it and then he stands back up and gets his entire yeah. health bar back and i'm like oh and then good. their guitars kick nope. in yeah yeah, yep. yeah <laughs> and then there's this just ripping music you know that <laughs> and he starts shooting lasers at you it's tough it's tough i, I, but, I like uh, um i like hades a lot because you know like what what fascinates me about greek mythology is is obviously that like there is no binary good and evil about the Greek gods. You know, they are just bureaucrats in many sense of the words that you see Hades sitting behind his desk, filing paperwork about the kind of uh, the comings and goings and the mechanics of how the underworld works. And as a, as a dad figure, he's almost like, um, like my dad would have been, which is basically just the, the shortest way between his and the least amount of energy between keeping people safe and secure and stable and reliable. And I just yeah. sort of recognize a lot of those behaviors um, in, in Hades itself. And, and, you know, like, it's just kind of fascinating to see him, like, he, he is neither good nor bad, neither evil nor um, pure. He just kind of he just exists. And, and like, it, it's perfectly depicted as part of, like, what, like, the brevity of the language that he has. It's just perfectly depicted in that, yeah. Yeah. And, and like any well-rounded human being applying like strict black white morals to so it just it falls apart very very quickly and it does in the case of Hades you start out thinking this is going to sound like I'm <laughs> criticizing God of War I'm not he starts out a bit like modern Kratos 2018 version Kratos and just like that character you have to get through some sort of 
tough, almost cliche representations of like almost bullying father figure to a certain extent to then understand what the underlying sort of motivation and in Hades case, it takes a long time to get to the point where you actually, as Leah, you said, you actually uncover what his motivation is, why he is the way he is and why he is so determined to not let Zagreus escape. Okay, he takes a little bit too much glee <laughs> in dealing out punishment <laughs> along the way, but you understand why he's actually a dad who's scared for his family. Does he actually call Zagreus boy at any point? <laughs> he probably does. Almost certainly, yeah. There's a few dismissive boys in there. Uh, you got to put him down. You got to put him down. Um, so. As I said, we can't go through every other character. There are a mixture of um, gods, there are a mixture of uh, demigods, um, and there are some human characters who are infamous in Greek mythology and have wound their way up to one or other realms of um, Hades or uh, of the the different uh, parts of the underworld that we, we explore through. Are there any particular, and I guess this counts for characters, but also their storylines that you would like to kind of highlight uh, from this long list uh, for for obviously any reason you might want to bring them up? Before we go into um, any specific characters, I just want to make one blanket statement and I will leave it there. Um, And the blanket statement is that everybody in this game is ridiculously hot. So um, (laughs) if you want anime thirsty gods, this is your game. We all have our reasons for being here, and Leah, you had to make sure. Listen, that <laughs> I just, I, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get on my soapbox. I'm just gonna say yeah. they're all very hot, and, and a good selection of different types of character in terms of, and take that every way that that's meant, like yep. uh, body type in terms of character type, in terms of gender type, in terms of the different relationships and sexualities you would expect to see. It, it runs the gamut because each character has their, each god has their own kind of style, if you like, based on what they are the god of. Uh, yeah, yeah, they do a really good job, I think. And yeah, there was a lot of thirst trap character design <laughs> is, I think, a reasonable way to put that. Touching on some characters then, yeah. So, like, I mean, I have a, a natural fascination with the the Chthonic gods, and I guess it begins with, with Nyx, who is the mother, the night mother, as it were, the kind of goddess of mm-hmm. night. You know, her, like, role in, in Hades uh, is to kind of oversee the Chthonic gods that make up some of the bosses within the game, and she has a sort of interesting relationship with, with Zagreus and Hades in that she's a, a de facto stepmother, albeit that Zagreus didn't necessarily understand as part of the story that, that Nyx is, is not her, is not his, his mother as a whole. But mm. um, beyond that, and, and like we are given a whistle-stop tour of some of the characters that resonate, I think like it, the way that the game handles the likes of Orpheus and Eurydice and Patroclus mm. and Achilles is like classic Greek mythology, like Greek tragedy. Yep. You know, everybody is there as a result of a tragic event um, and is given an identity and given a vocation in response to that and the way that the game handles it and weaves it into some of the mechanics I think is just yeah. just expertly done. And there's a very slow breaking down of particularly someone like Patroclus but also with Orpheus and Eurydice really slow and Achilles absolutely slow breaking down of uh, like gaining their trust breaking down their barriers before they will even talk to you about certain things particularly about their personal sort of stakes and situation and the relationship that has fallen away 
but they still hold on to um and and yeah that aspect um from for me I, just to pull one straight out of the bag I love Sisyphus in this. I think he is so cool. Just this stoic, really philosophical perspective on his situation doesn't hold any ill will towards any character, no matter what they're doing. If you accidentally uh, press an attack button near him, not even at him, just for a, you're breaking a pot or whatever, he just like chuckles and laughs it off. He has just no ill will towards anyone and yet is just in this, you know, legendary, mythical bad situation doesn't even bear any grudge against Hades himself and has struck up a relationship with the boulder that he is pushing up the hill. Uh, so, James, maybe you, maybe you can um, back me up on this one because I, I honestly cannot remember, but I had it in my mind that at some point you can actually talk to the boulder. Is oh, that yeah. true or can yeah, I yeah. make that up? You have to keep trying to talk to the boulder for a long time past the point of thinking <laughs> that you're clearly being daft, but... It's sort of taken more as a you're humoring Sisyphus and the fact oh, that yeah. he's got this, you know, he's projected almost Wilson esque onto on this exactly. Like... This is this is full castaway here, um, <laughs> but but yeah, you you start playing along and it's not clear whether the boldy like is he ever going to actually talk back <laughs> to you or not? It's but it's it's just funny stuff and you go in and occasionally there's someone in there talking to Sisyphus reprimanding him or having a conversation and like with all these characters you can catch them having other conversations and you get to see a different side of them um and yeah i just love that stuff it's always nice to go into some of the arenas yeah, yeah. some of the the lines that he's got are really really like so so such dry humor and and like really mm. reward you for having some prior knowledge of what's going on there like as you leave in the room you'll say things like you know like this time i'm gonna get it up the top of the hill and like it, it sort of like speaks to his like sisyphean task it's just kind of like really neatly done and very well considered. I really enjoy um, some of the characters, and these are mostly in the actual house before you yeah. uh, kind of start your um, your uh, journeys each time. But some of the characters who are clearly based on actual Greek figures, uh, Greek mythological figures, mm. but they've kind of done a twist on them. And the two that I'll bring up here are uh, Cerberus and Dusa. Um, because, you know, Dusa is obviously this kind of little floating head who is patterned after Medusa because she has, you know, the snake hair and everything, but she's a, um, she's a housekeeper basically. And obviously has like, you know, a little crush on, uh, Zagreus because, yeah, well, yeah, uh, um, little, um, but every time you go and talk to her, she just, she freaks out and kind of blushes and stammers and then just zips back up into the rafters or wherever it is she goes. And yeah, this is Zagreus just being completely oblivious as to what's going on here. I, I kind of enjoy that whole little thing. And then there's, then there's Cerberus, who is um, the goodest boy. Um, yeah. And, you know, he's he's painted in so many things as this, you know, hellhound and, you know, is is fiercely guarding everything. And, I mean, he's just he's just a good boy. Yeah. You can go up to there and pet him. Like, I pet him every time I walk by him because he's there. Just, you know. of, of Cerberus are like, you know, Rottweilers <laughs> or pit bulls. And in this game, it's basically yes. just like essentially like some kind of retriever it's like a nice kind yeah. of um subversion of expectations um so nick grugan very quickly on that note on our patreon um so in in patreon's case 
the week of recording um there'll be a, a patreon comment goes out that you can reply to a patreon post goes out that you can comment on i should say um to to so if you're a, a patron supporter you can uh, sort of get your um feedback on the show as well for those who are patron supporters um Nick Grugan says, almost always petted the good boy Cerberus. And again, I will go one slightly yeah. better and say, always. Never got tired <laughs> of that kind of scratching under the chin of, of one uh, head while the other one sort of looks at you and growls slightly, but then ultimately <laughs> they're all very happy. Yeah. I mean, he's right there, you know? You do, like, the, if, as you're coming back from um, from your run, you got Hypnos on your left, and then you've got uh, Achilles, and then Cerberus. He's, yep. he's just right there. Yeah. You always got to pet the good boy. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's uh, crack on into some more uh, feedback. Um, so, from the forum, HyperDeath84 says, Failure does not feel like failure in this game. It feels like an opportunity to progress your relationships with the inhabit- inhabitants of the House of Hades. There may be a brief pang of bitterness at dying during a run, but it's instantly quashed once you go and pet Cerberus or continue that conversation you are having with Nyx. As someone who's prone to raging at games from time to time, it impressed me immensely that Hades made its central roguelite structure work so well that I don't recall being upset with the game once. Yeah, just just, just on that, I think I would mm. politely take issue with the the concept of like the idea of it feeling like an opportunity to progress your relationships because i do think that that is both a strength and a weakness of hades in particular you know mm-hmm. my abiding feeling about hades um and one of the reasons that i just simply can't love it as much as i love pyrus because i do feel like my desire to advance certain relationships is is actually prevented because of the way that the game's set up you know i would like to kind of really drive through a relationship with achilles for example not least of which because there's a kind of a weaponry advantage in doing that but actually the, the mm. story of of he and patroclus is, is fascinating so yeah it, it it is kind of it giveth with one hand and takes away with the other yeah yeah absolutely and i think um we'll get into a bit more of that in these um next couple of uh, pieces of feedback so that's a very uh, salient point to be bringing up um leo mm. would you kindly furnish us with the next piece of feedback yeah a shiny whale lord guy from the forum says I can respect how the story, setup, and gameplay tie together to justify the cycle of dying and restarting, and to give some small sense of progress each time. In the end, though, it still comes down to playing through a set of auto-generated levels over and over again while constantly being sent back to the start, and that will never be as satisfying to me as making continuous progress exploring a handcrafted world. I love the characters in Pyre, but for whatever reason, the characters in Hades didn't do it for me at all, so the reward of getting new dialogue from them after each death wasn't enough incentive for me to want to keep playing. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think um, the fact that occasionally you don't you go for a while not being able to speak to certain characters does kind yeah. of stem a little bit of that. Um, and I think actually the next piece of forum correspondence gets into um, that as well. So, uh, Rich, would you be able to to read that one, please? Yeah, indeed. So, called a frog from the forum writes, unfortunately, the characters are so engrossing that I often felt disappointed when the one I wanted to talk to didn't show up in the House of Hades or in my next run. I slogged all the way to Elysium and got bopped by that darn bull Asterius, but came back with a bit of nectar that I wanted to give to Dusa. Okay, she hasn't shown up. Guess I'll save it for Sisyphus during my run. Oh, he wasn't in Tartarus. Maybe I'll give it to Chaos somewhere. Nope. Even when I do see a character I want to give some nectar to, I only get one more conversation with them. I have to run through the entire gauntlet again just to get a chance to talk to the characters that I like. 
Yeah, this is wandering a bit into kind of the mechanical side of the game, but we've talked about it being a roguelite anyway. And I should say, The Binding of Isaac show, I think we went into the definition, distinction between roguelike and roguelite. For for the purposes of this, it's probably closer to a roguelite, but you get it. It's now a genre that kind of gives you an idea that you're repeating a run. And I think the the kind of repeating a run, you have to get into the frame of mind of that being the primary thing. And then, because if you get to attach the idea of seeing a character again and getting to unlock more conversation, you're only going to feel frustrated and like the game's kind of eking that out, which it is, but because the expectation is you're going to one more run this game for 60 hours and therefore that story is going to have to be spread out across that length of time if they gave you all the story right up front it would then leave the game being purely a mechanical sort of um sort of run-based game thereafter um which isn't going to work for everyone you know that that kind of comes with the territory so uh, i don't want to to uh, poo-poo any of that feedback I absolutely can see it and I as Leah you said I definitely felt myself at a bit of a wall where I could have used some more story early on to kind of get me through the learning of the mechanics um, I see it as a compliment though you know like there's some excellent writing yeah. in here and there's some really interesting kind of stories that are obviously like classics basically but there's mm-hmm. there's no meaningful way to actually like not zero in but kind of engineer situations in which you can push it through and and i find myself in a situation at 50 hours where i just like i'm struggling to find the motivation to want to go back and actually drive through this this barrier this blocker to try and get at the next kind of very small part of the story that would allow me to kind of progress things forward and really start to understand the the nuances the motivations the the kind of tragedy that's there and and it isn't a criticism as such it's mostly just a limitation of of the format i suppose and i would be really fascinated to try and understand what the kind of expected amount of time would be required in order to kind of drive through as many of these stories as as is possible it has to be in the triple mm. figures i would have thought i would think so yeah that for, that for some of them yeah it it probably is i i yeah, I mean, there are just when if you once you get the ability to kind of start seeing what you've uncovered about each character, mm-hmm. you can see that there's like a lot of yeah. kind of points on each of their um, uh, uh, scales. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what to call them. There's there's a little series of hearts that indicate what you can uh, what you can learn from from speaking to them each uh, each time that you do. And there's there's quite a few for each person. I don't. And they keep I don't actually. As well. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and yeah, it's it's it it can be. I don't know. Aside from um, aside from Charon, I don't know that I actually finished that many people's um, storylines or or um, um, story. I don't even know what to call it. it. Like, I, yeah, yeah. They're 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 kind of. Yeah. Uh, I wrote in the Slack Timelines. ahead of uh, of this recording that, like, mm-hmm. no matter how much of Hades I play, I don't think I'll ever feel ready for this recording. I don't think I'll ever feel in a position where I can speak with authority on everything that happens in the game because it feels insurmountable. Like, it, fe- it feels yeah. almost like yeah. you- you'll never quite get there. Um, and I'm sure that yeah. qu- isn't quite the case, but it's a big ask of your player base to be able to invest yeah. so many hours for 
what is essentially like very little progress over like an an, an effort to reward basis. I suppose if you get enough into the um the gameplay element and just the basics of the game then you know you you could pretty much play this a long long time yeah, even after yeah. you've already finished yeah. um the the 10 run throughs to get to the end of the the story proper mm. um i mean i i know that there are people who play things like you know binding of isaac that have played it for many many years and still will continue going through it you know it's not an easy game i, mm. I at least i didn't think so and you can there are many things that you can do to make it more difficult for yourself if yeah. that's what you want so i mean technically sure you could you could keep going and going and going until you get everything and i mean this game has only been out on some consoles for a year so mm. you know it's not even that long but i know i i completely agree though it seems like there's just there's almost too much uh in some ways because yeah, yeah, if, if if what you want is like i would like to talk to meg more but she's not always there and yeah. you know she's she's difficult to uh to get to open up if if she do talk to her so you know i it would take quite a while to get yeah. to the end of her her um dialogue uh, options yeah and on that i would i would say i think yes if if you want to play this game purely for the story without playing the game it doesn't it's not going to do an assassin's creed discovery mode type situation um but likewise if you just want to play it for the mechanics it kind of yes you can tap you're still going to have to tab through a lot of dialogue you're still going to kind of be forced to interact with some of the characters in terms of not just the dialogue but actually you know pushing forward their story and it does kind of expect you to engage with both of those things and that's why i think the story is kind of spread out so not thinly because every run i felt like i was getting something story-wise from it but each individual character's arc is spread out over a long period of time such that it it absolutely could be the 150 hours that um, yeah. was mentioned earlier by i think the month um i, I, where I worry you're, though you're gonna get personally because mm. i I mean, this is a very subjective take. I, I think mm -hmm. it courts a very sinister part of, of gamers' brains, of, of human brains about addictive mm -hmm. behaviors and stuff. And, yeah. and I think, you know, that, that, that um, cynically, oh, that's a strong word, but I suppose probably how I genuinely feel about it in a spirit of honesty, cynically kind of um, making that kind of return of investment quite weak and poor is to the game's detriment as a whole. I mean, yeah, look, today ahead of the recording, I found myself wanting to go through the the glossary. You know, Supergiant Games have got, uh, always have an extensive glossary of kind of law in, in Pirate as the Book of Rights, for example, and it was just kind of fairly threadbare. And I did find myself lamenting, like, I, I wish this was available for me to kind of go through um, at my own pace rather than having to basically grind yeah. in another a couple of dozen hours to try and squeeze as much yeah. out of the story as possible. I do wonder if it would be different if it wasn't so reliant on existing characters. Um, because, I mean, obviously, Supergiant wrote so much for this and, mm -hmm. you know, did so much work for this. But also, they are still building on, you know, Aphrodite is still the goddess of love. You know, she, she, it's not a completely original 
thing. So I, I just wonder if they would be more inclined to surface more of what they had created if it was like Pyre and the characters were original. I, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know that that would be the case because, like I said, I mean, it's it's not. I'm not trying to suggest at, by any means that they, you know, said, "Oh well, these these are already. We don't have to do as much work on this one, guys. Everybody, take five. Um, <laughs> no, it's it's not that, but you know, it's it it is slightly different situationally. So I, I don't know. I just wonder. And I I do like the fact that you could feasibly get to the point of having escaped once and say, okay. There is no escape is the end of that story. It's a mm -hmm. cycle and and you could leave the character arcs there. I think you'd be leaving a lot of them in the middle of, you know, with still mo clearly more to uncover, but you could leave it there. You can get to the 10 and leave it there. You can still carry on beyond that. So I do like the fact there's, it's up to the player to a certain extent to decide where their end point is. But I completely take the, the point that if you do want to see all of the story, but you kind of feel like you've got as much as you're going to get out of the gameplay, it does leave you in a little bit of limbo um, there and, and make it very difficult to, you know, potentially research for a podcast as an example. <laughs> um, so before we get on to really digging into the gameplay, I did want to talk um, about the audio design and the music because obviously it's a big part of Supergiants games in general um, and Sasquans from the forum uh, made a, a comment that I think is particularly relevant here, which is um, Darren Corb and Supergiant are so effective at drawing out emotions from the player in Bastion. They did it to me when I was saving Zolf in Hades. It was less so of an emotional response and much more of a heck yeah feeling. They didn't say heck. Uh, finishing off a boss and getting that jangly strum is such a good feeling. Take that learning. Um, from my point of view, I I adore all of the different soundtracks, and I think the audio design in um, Supergiants games in general is an excellent way of adding depth to 2D art and never feels shallow in these games by any stretch of the imagination, but there's a lot of great visuals there that without audio would not feel as uh, deep to me. They just wouldn't. Um, I, I think it, it's a great dialogue between the two. Uh, dialogue may be my most overused word of this podcast. Hmm. I apologize. Um, <laughs> it's an easy um, one to get into. But the fact that the music in this as well, because it's set in ostensibly hell, for to to draw the parallel there between Hades and hell, um, Darren Corb went for lots of guitars and leaning, lilting in the direction of metal. And that just speaks to me because of my particular music tastes. As I say, love all the soundtracks. This one just felt like, I didn't need to listen to the soundtrack separately because I just played so much of this game and not once did I ever think, oh, I'll turn the music off and put something else on. Never. I just love every time the guitar kicks in, as we said, in the second round of that Hades fight or, yeah, the strums at the end of each boss fight. It's just uh, in the same way as at the end of a, um, a confrontation in Gears, you get that that sort of chord plays and you know you're done. You get a breather. Um, I just love the way that that feeds into it and it all sort of sits in that heavy rock metal sort of yeah. uh, sort of area. That's the strongest of agrees. And on um, on the audio design, though, I think what, one thing that's really like exemplary about this game is, is just how both art and graphics and especially art in motion and the audio design that complements that does such a great job of basically making something that is a visual like a, a visual feast and something that is very 
difficult to parse in some situations is is kind of legible and as readable and accessible with a, a small a as it can possibly be mm. like at no point in the game am I, I left thinking like i have absolutely no idea what's going on here like the complement of, of art and music and motion in one usually make it something that's um yeah like i say legible okay um we have quite a lot of um sort of feedback around the gameplay so i wanted to kick us off with uh, a bit more of gameplay discussion with three pieces of quite sort of quick forum feedback so let's um crack into those i'll start us off with tea time uh forum feedback that says hades is one of those games where everything from the voice acting gameplay music and visuals are done with such a high level of polish care and competency that there's really not much to pick apart sometimes as a gamer you just have to throw your hands up and say well, they did it. That's a damn good game. And as a counterpoint... <laughs> uh, Steve Norman from the forum says, I played Hades for a few hours when it arrived on Game Pass, but really don't get the fuss. It's all right, and that's about it. I must be missing something in the glare of all that polish. And following on from that... Kiss Mammal from the forum writes, I'm in agreement. I really don't understand what the fuss is about either. As someone who doesn't care about story or characters, etc., the game has to stand or fall simply on its mechanics and game feel. And while, okay, the gameplay in Hades is far, far too repetitive and grindy, grindy to hold my interest, gave it up after a few hours. Hades is notable for me only for the fact that it's the game which con- confirmed once and for all that I do not like rogue- roguelikes. Not one bit. I mean, that's fair. Yeah, <laughs> I... yeah. yeah, absolutely. I, I, at the beginning, I sort of put a piece of form correspondence in and kind of said that that was typical of some things I'd heard, which was this was the roguelike that, or roguelite that people did get, even if they didn't get others. But I think it's also fair to say, if you really don't like roguelites, this is not going to change that. And I, I'll take the repetitive and grindy gameplay. Ultimately, that's a matter of taste. Yeah. It won't feel repetitive and grindy. Halo are, you know, famously iterates 30 seconds gameplay loop over and over and over. And not many people talk about that in terms of it feeling repetitive and grindy. Because you don't level up, obviously, there's no grind there. But most people wouldn't say Halo gameplay felt repetitive unless you don't like the gameplay, in which case it's, oh, I'm doing the same thing for 20 hours. Um, And same thing here, I would say. Um, You know, Binding of Isaac's a game I've played well past the point there was any more story to ring out from that. Um, I would argue a fighting game or Tetris or something like that. You know, I play JRPGs, man. It's <laughs> for sure. Yeah, you know, football as a sport, whichever variant you want to look at, that's the same thing over and over again in ninety-minute chunks. In the case of soccer, British, you know, European-style football, um, it's the same thing. It's eleven people facing another eleven people and a ball. You know, it, it's the same thing. If you enjoy it and if you see if one run in Hades doesn't feel identical to the last run because there's slight differences and you get into those slight differences, it's not going to feel that way. But I thought it important, those three pieces of forum correspondence kind of really speak to, to some people, the high level of polish is just icing on the cake. To other people, it's polish on a turd. (laughs) (laughs) It's a really astute point though, because I mean here's the thing like i'm looking at the the show notes here and the amount of different permeations and and variables that go into a single run from the weapon to the boons to the you know the the plot that's going through like you could potentially have a very and and i've had this experience like a run which feels 
like dire. It feels oppressive. It feels like I'm I'm fighting against the game and runs where it feels like the dice have rolled in my favor. And um, mm-hmm. I think really it's just a like almost like a concern of like in general like how um, how uh, forgiving you are of the roguelike format and also is Hades a, a roguelike a roguelite, sorry, um, that is a little bit more forgiving than than its counterparts in the, the roguelike genre. Yeah, and we'll get into some of the aspects that do that. I think uh, having a story that sort of um, melds with that structure, so I think, well, as it does, helps. You know, some people who aren't quite getting that one more run from the gameplay might get it because of the story. And uh, appreciating that we've seen people who didn't the story wasn't enough to keep them uh coming back it, they just it felt it was too sort of um stretched out absolutely um but yeah i think it's um it is still a roguelite at its core and that comes with the the sort of benefits and deficits of that particular genre um so we've talked about the house of hades where that's your home i guess you know even home base it's your home for uh you know uh for the game and you always return to there and that's where you kind of interact with several characters that you only see in there and you kit yourself up and upgrade yourself and go to shops and stuff like that um between runs um and then you go out onto the run as well now there's a certain amount of upgrading you can do with the house of hades some of it is functional stuff that will appear in the area some of it is just changing literally the colors of the drapes <laughs> uh uh but that stuff's all there again because it's a, a bit of a um character dangle for oh don't you want to go out and get some more of the gems that will require you to unlock this extra stuff which if you're already apt to be playing this over and over again is just a, a little extra incentive for something to go and target it doesn't necessarily keep you playing it directs what you're gonna be trying to um earn on the next run through so you can go for gems or you can go for uh darkness um whichever you may need to unlock either something in the mirror or the house contractor um in terms of the controls it's in it feels to me playing it now really streamlined and simple but thinking about all the stuff you have to do by your 10th escape all of the different mechanics and having not just your attack but your cast and your special and your call slash gift it's a lot i feel like it doles that out quite well i don't know how do we all feel it's it's a game that you play largely on stick and with face buttons and then shoulder buttons to interact with with stuff and triggers to kind of bring in your special attacks if you like um, it feels quite streamlined to me. Is that fair? I think so. I, I, it might take a little, like any game, you know, it might take a little getting used to in the beginning to, especially when you are unlocking new weapons and if you are um, inclined to switch back and forth between weapons. I think a lot of people, and certainly I did this in my first playthrough, I'm trying to, as I mentioned before, be a little bit more varied this time around, but you'll probably find one weapon that you like and settle into using that a lot of the time, if not most of the time. Mm. So you'll probably get into a rhythm, or you can at least get into a rhythm if you, um, both a rhythm 
literally sometimes as we just discussed and you know just a a um uh, just a, an easy path um but yeah i mean i i think i, I think it's pretty uh straightforward for the most part yeah i i, I do you know thinking about what you just said there james i i, I do hmm. naturally kind of agree with what you're saying like it is a lot um and in in fact like the way that i play the game i very seldom use the the special button like for whatever reason i just don't mm -hmm. like like the attack or find that it's ineffective or just doesn't complement my game style and i think that might be um a symptom of basically having too much to do like too much ongoing at the same time yeah. so like in in hindsight maybe there's something in in that observation i yeah. like that with the cast for the most part i, did, I just mm -hmm. didn't use it very often so weapons we probably do need to get into weapons because i think bastion's a good point of comparison for this and I, I, we need to get into um exactly why in this sort of six weapons that we need to discuss so uh to lead us into that carl the frog again on the forum uh says after i've just barely scraped by a room i've got 25 health and no death defiances left far before i've reached the final boss i simply don't have the motivation to continue i'd rather walk into a trap to send myself back to the house of hades sure Maybe I could earn some health back in the next couple of rooms, but if I already know this is a scuffed run, why go on? Maybe I can tell Orpheus more about Eurydice. I'm not. I'm already not using my favourite weapon because I'm disincentivized to use the same weapon twice with the 20% darkness penalty. Um, Leah, I think you just mentioned that there. You had your weapon and that was it. I oh, yeah. <laughs> always used the one that had the darkness bump and I stuck oh. a gem bump on that as well. Always, nice. always. So, I, so I'll quickly uh, go through this. There's six weapons. Um, I'm not going to talk through what each of them are. We'll probably cover them as we mention them. I loved the spear. Predominantly, was one of the first that I loved playing with. But by far, the ones I find it easiest to escape with are the bow and the uh, gun, the exegriff. Oh, good um, grief! Really? By far, and I do not like playing the game. At a distance, I prefer like the spear and the uh, the uh, Malfon, the the um, gauntlets. I prefer to be like the spear. You can kind of put enemies at a distance, but if I can, I get the essentially the shotgun upgrade to the spear, where you get three spears that you throw out right in front of you, rather than being able to sort of throw it at a distance. And I just love to be up close. It feels like that's how I should want to play the game, but I cannot deny that I do far better being at a distance because i don't cock up and get hit when i shouldn't have is the, is the answer to that i'm not good at fast action games i make mistakes fighting games i love to play but i'm rubbish at them i panic as soon as an enemy gets up in my face and i and i make a mistake with a, an input i just panic and so i came round to the bow and the gun i dash for distance so the boons i get that help me leave behind something that will do damage with my with my dash and then i just keep enemies at distance i just find them by far the easiest to kind of control both bosses and enemies with yeah um so yeah uh leah would you like to talk about what your go-to weapon was the one it was this it was the spear um <laughs> yeah i i'm also not great at this kind of game generally but what i liked about the spear was that it first of all it does have decent range especially if you get it kind of um uh, increased mm -hmm. by a boon or a, an upgrade but also 
it is one of the weapons that allows you to kind of stun lock people um, because they will they will stay in place if you are hitting them unless they have shields, which that's a whole other thing. But um, yeah, the the spear really worked out well for me. Mm-hmm. I will say that the exception to that was when I decided to my actually my very first clear in the PlayStation version um I did with the uh with the gun with Exagriff. Yeah. Uh and that was only because there is an upgrade for it that allows your special to become like a wider ranged bomb pretty much that yeah. does like 300% damage but it can also hurt you if you're mm-hmm. in the the area so that thing just shredded bosses like <laughs> i got through one of the more difficult ones that i have for me uh just the one that i have had the most trouble with is uh theseus in the bowl and like i did that entire fight with exagriff without getting hit because of that that specific thing so i mean it's kind of like we were saying earlier there are just some runs which i think it was you were saying this there are just some runs where it just feels like because you have gotten this specific set of upgrades or boons or whatever it just works sometimes even Mm -hmm. when you are not using a weapon that is something that you would normally use um and in my case yeah i i didn't really like using the railgun that much so i Mm -hmm really haven't other than that one clear but yeah that one time just that that setup just really worked for me uh rich how about you yeah it's exactly the same like i like it'll like if you've ever played anything with me i i always choose a spear i'm just a big fan of (laughs) like mid-ranged um like combat but the the spear in in this game is just just wonderful because it works at a melee range and also like if you get an upgraded varita it's um like a, a fairly long distance as well. For me, the the technique that I'm always looking for is the dash attack, especially the the triple yes. dash attack, yeah. because the range that you can close and the damage that you can do is just exceptional. Um, and I think really its effectiveness and the way that it complements my very very hyper aggressive gameplay is is indicated by my fastest ever clear with the spear, which is 21 minutes, and my mm-hmm. fastest ever clear with um. Coronac, the, the 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 bow, which is something like forty five minutes. The gulf of difference mm-hmm. between the two, it 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 sort of like speaks to my natural preference towards that weapon. Yeah. However, what I am a big fan of is is Aegis, the the shield. Like when yeah. you have a complement of skills with the shield, so you can do like a, a charging shield bash, which causes knockback, and if you knock enemies into walls, it causes additional damage. If you combine that with a complement of um, Poseidon's abilities, which also do yeah. that same pushback, it just wrecks. It's like yeah. like Poseidon's not a um, a boon or a god that I would ever want to go for willingly, but with, with that kind of um, combination, it's just exceptional. Like, And I had a, a moment today where I was doing Theseus and, and the Minotaur, and it lasted like no longer than a minute, which felt like unprecedented for, for my type of yeah. gameplay. Yeah, you can really bully uh, even bosses with that combination if you get them up against the wall with the shield. Um, and something with the shield that I really didn't like that weapon to begin with. I thought I would because Captain America, um, but I really didn't until I realized the stupidest thing. Actually defend with it and yep. you'll never get hit. Never yep. get hit. You can just tank attacks from any boss you can just hold 
until they've struck and then you can charge at them or, or you know, um, attack. It's unreal if you play each of these weapons, not as they're meant to be played, but you find your rhythm with them, how they can just suddenly transform. And then on top of that, you've got the four different um, versions of each weapon, which don't necessarily, on the surface of it, all massively change the way you use it, but they're all really significant changes to either the pace of play or the style of play that's going to benefit. Um, I would really recommend to anyone, like upgrading the weapons, getting the upgrade materials to then unlock the other, the other specials and the, the, the other variants. And the last variant, you have to go through, jump through some hoops to unlock, like story side stuff. Um, so it's, it's not an easy thing. It really is kind of long-term thing. I think someone mentions that later on. Upgrading the weapons really is a long-term goal, and you need to be looking at using the extra um, constraints with the Pact of Punishment. That's why I always went with whatever I got the um, the Darkness Boost for, because it encouraged me to go and try whatever the next level of heat run was for each weapon, and systematically go through and make sure I got each of those. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, that really is a long like project to, to to sort of extend the game um so we have talked about combat um in terms of enemies um i guess probably we probably we only have time just to pick out is there any enemy that you thought oh i really love fighting this or equally i really hate fighting this particular enemy uh rich how about you oh god it's the Rats. Uh, I mean, the, the things that I hate: mm. fighting the rats and fighting the satyrs. The poison effect is just an yeah, absolute yeah, yeah, yeah. pain in the butt. <laughs> like it just it disrupts your rhythm. It makes you kind of like I find it difficult to find those um like the mandric root um um like antidotes within the room when yeah. you're in the middle of battle and there's so much going on. Especially at that yeah. particular point in the game where there's so much kind of visual noise around um mm. their attacks and your attacks, like. That is, like, my tactic is always just get out of there as quickly as possible. <laughs> like, I'll do the minimum yeah. amount of runs within that particular area and then get on to, to Hades as, as quickly as possible. In terms of enemies that I do like fighting, I really, and it might just be because of the way that I do that, but um, in Elysium, there's those pink spheres that, like, launch butterflies out. And if you can get the range perfectly, you just stand there and, and yep. wail on them um, as quickly as possible <laughs> and just watch the health melt away. I was literally just going to say, I hate those pink balls with the butterflies <laughs> in them. Well, because there's one that is, I, I think it's a special one, that just keeps spawning the... Yep. Um, the Elysium and Soldiers, what, they, yeah. what they're called. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, like, I, I'm trying to kill them before they yeah. um, before they actually Manifest, develop yeah. into the full-on yeah. soldiers. But they, yeah, if, if you do, if you keep doing that, then you won't do any damage on the butterfly, and it just keeps yeah. going and going and going. Um, yeah. I've already kind of mentioned that I have trouble with Theseus and the Bull, which I, I, I've kind of gotten into a place where I understand them a little bit better. So I think that's that's um more of a, a decent thing. But yeah, I totally agree on the um on the poison enemies. They're rough. Especially that the the tiny vermin. Um if you ever run into that thing, that thing is a nightmare. <laughs> um yeah. yeah. And I ran into him on I think it might have been my I think it might have been my railgun run. It was either that or it was the fists. I don't I don't remember, but uh yeah. I, I have definitely seen the tiny vermin recently. 
it's a very build centric game which in that respect i think we've got a few uh pieces of uh, feedback here that we're going to need to read through and then we'll talk about uh kind of favorite builds will encompass boons in that and weapons and stuff just if there's anything that sinks uh um goes in symphony with our kind of favorite weapons um so i will kick us off with seth from the forum who says the boon system is easily the highlight of the game in how it forces you to try out different styles and not just rely on the same tricks I can never remember the names of the boons, but the one that basically turns your drop bloodstones into a lightning rod to attack nearby enemies was always an instant winner and likely accounted for about half of my successful runs. Kermit McElmo from the forum says, The combat feels tight yet simple, which makes it easy to pick up. The weapon variations and how they modify with boons keep it fresh. Boons, yes, boons. This does lead me to my criticisms. I feel a lot of your chance of success in this game comes down to the luck of which boons you get. Sometimes on a run, I know I won't reach Hades just by the feel of the boons I've come across. This does annoy me. My other criticism is that it's so hard to upgrade my weapons, although I've heard it's easier to do this once you kill Hades, but I do feel that I am caught in a rut. Uh, yeah, that, that's end game stuff is yeah. going through run after run and picking the weapon and the heat level on the Pact of Punishment to, you can guarantee drops to upgrade weapons uh, at a certain point in the game. Uh, Rich, would you take the next one, please? Yeah, so Wu Ching Long from the forum says, If I had one criticism of Hades, it would be that the on-hit effects seem far more powerful than the critical effects. But it's entirely possible I simply did not find the synergistic combo to yield similar results to my preferred playstyle. Focusing on on-hit effects, I got into a comfy groove that let me clear 11 runs straight, each time ratcheting up the difficulty modifier slightly until it ended unceremoniously when I decided to experiment on run 12. Um, okay, our next piece of feedback. August Leroy, the Autumn King, self-proclaimed, uh, on Patreon says, Just here to make sure the podcast doesn't go by without sharing favourite builds. For me, it's probably going to have to be maximum Poseidon pushes with Zeus lightning every time something is knocked back. Yeah, I think stacking stuff where you, you happen to have stumbled across a few Poseidon upgrades and then you get something like a Zeus lightning uh, upgrade that stacks on top of knockback um yeah it can get really silly as leah you were saying it can get really mm -hmm. like powerful where stuff just happens to fall into place like that um and actually the next piece of feedback uh, i think kind of adds on to that so leah if you would please uh sasquans from the forum says the visual feedback you get from any of poseidon's boons is so addictive floodshot plus beowulf shield equals happiness can I can I give you a little anecdote about um uh um a Poseidon? So I don't tend to go for the Poseidon because I find that it's especially weak against Hades at the end. Like the Hades mm -hmm. has hyper armor, means that you don't really get the opportunity to push it back. But um, I was playing a run through with I I've, I forgot what the name of the um the keepsake is, but it every three levels or every three encounters, it um automatically applies like a pom upgrade to one of your abilities. Yeah. And I somehow managed to weave it in the game so that I had only a handful of abilities. One of them was Hermes's in like increased dash, so I could do like six or seven dashes in a row, and then a level fourteen um, like dash with um, Poseidon, and and so I basically just fought the entirety of of Hades and all of his minions doing nothing but dashing around them, and it was glorious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really where. Um... Not just roguelites or roguelikes, but that style of game where you get like um, 
mechanics sort of start to bleed into one another and start to affect one another and you get unexpected consequences from it. It, it can be so much fun when that happens. Binding of Isaac's the same. Dead cells can be the same with turrets. You know, it, it can be so easy just and entirely like not intentional by the developers necessarily, but they allow it to happen. So it's all fair game. Uh, it feel it does feel broken at times. Have, have we got time to, to sort of give a brief summary of our preferred builds, James? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, just launching off of that, for me, um, my my preference is to go for the Athena boons, which provide, um, essentially, it, it, it allows you to reflect uh, enemies' attacks back on them. Not like a, I suppose one of them is like a counter, I guess that depends on your, your kind of speed and your precision of your counter attacks, but also in, it provides like an upgrade in your um, just general damage output, and, and it just complements the type of gameplay that I have, which is basically just as as fast as a humanly can go in there and then just start smashing enemies with with a spear and because of the spear's range and if you get that um that three kind of pronged almost like shotgun attack it just makes that especially yeah. effective uh yeah agreed i i liked athena's deflect stuff a lot uh but i will also say that i found that um the kind of cold effects from from demeter i i thought that those worked quite well for me because they slow enemies a little bit and also you can get upgrades that will after you stack x amount of of chill effects on things it will just like kind of combust and cause a, a big hit of damage so i like that too there's also um a similar thing with doom and i don't remember who has it but it might be aries um, but yeah, when you hit things, it, it will apply a doom effect on them mm. that then gives them another hit of damage uh, yeah. a moment or two later. So, yeah, uh, Ares would be uh, one of mine actually, but not for the doom for the blade rift. Um, mm. Yeah, because I ended up playing a lot of kind of keep away game. Um, anything where I had a blade rift that could just like along the same path that I was lining up enemies with uh, my bow or gun. I could just send a blade rift along and just do like damage over time on them all, or where I dash away and leave a blade rift behind me, where the enemies that just thought they'd got to me just suddenly got wrecked. Uh, those were really powerful. Um, Additions to that. And if I may, I will outwardly I will go out of my way to avoid Dionysus because the cast where you lob up a, a poisoned barrel in the air is oh, just I find it to be utterly useless. It's um, <laughs> most ineffective. I do like causing hangover on things, though, because that's a, it's a, I mean, it's a poison. It's a damage over time thing. So yeah. I appreciate the, anything that I can give a, uh, yeah. doing more damage while I'm not actually doing damage is really the, the theme here. Okay. We are uh, getting short of time, but uh, let's go uh, with the next piece of forum feedback, Rich, if you would. Yep, so Seth from the forum writes, if there's any criticism I would level at Hades, it's that the boss variety is a little lacking. I felt how the first stage changes up a lot, but everything after that is largely the same and becomes quite repetitive. Sure, it allows you to become more familiar with the patterns and sequences, but after 15 runs, I was getting tired of seeing that damn Hydra again and again. Do I like how Zagreus eventually comes up with a name for him? <laughs> Uh, yeah, bosses. Um, so I'm going to get this straight out of the way. I'm, I know I sound like an apologist, but by the time you're adding a load of heat to your runs on the Pact of Punishment, I forget the name of it. There's one where the bosses get upgraded. Um, and so instead of just, oh, it's Meg or Electo or Tisiphone, it's no, it's all three of them now. 
have at oh, it. Oh, goodness. Um, and then the next level up on that, um, Bone Hydra, instead of that whole arena changes and the fight kind of changes up with the the um, the way that those come in. Um, yeah, so it, it does actually get to the point where it, it does change some of the um, the way those bosses play. So again, in the long run, if you can get over the hump of that kind of repetition early on, when you start getting more tools and then you start having to take more challenges on, it does change over time. But I completely appreciate that's for people who are putting hundreds of hours into this game and people who are putting tens of hours maybe never get to the point where they they feel that. So yeah, completely appreciate the criticism. Um, Bosses-wise, I don't know that we've got masses of time to kind of dig into. Uh, Hades we've talked about a fair amount, I think. Um, but the other bosses... Um, each have kind of their own thing to them. I really enjoyed coming up against them for the first time and thinking, I will never do this. And then by, <laughs> you know, five or six runs later, starting to get a feel for and knowing what the strategy I wanted to play was. Um, Leah, bosses for you. Uh, yay or nay, I guess, is the question. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think for i think i had a similar experience like the first time or a couple of times and i was mad the first time that they switched the boss on me and mm-hmm. i'd like i've just gotten used to and i feel like i've got meg figured out you know and i'm doing okay with this now and now we've got her sisters who have different patterns and are you know also considerably tougher in my opinion mm. um the the bone hider does the same thing it kind of switches up a little bit and I don't think Theseus and Asterius switch up very much, and neither does Hades. But there's there's definitely some variety in those first couple that was um, frustrating to me the first couple of times. But yeah, I mean they're they're um, learnable, and I, I guess that's that depends on your specific play style as to whether you like that or don't like that. Uh, I I found it to be okay neither really great or or really terrible uh once i had them figured out it it was just kind of another thing to to do and to get used to depending on what build you were able to get to at that point mm. still don't like theseus and asterius though that theseus is a jerk <laughs> yeah i actually do like theseus and and asterius i i, I like kind of focus i like on the theseus story first. i just don't like that fight <laughs> Yeah, I like focus on Theseus first and just melding him and just ignoring Asterius, which is uh, not not always easy to do. But it, it's quite funny just um, trying to find him in a battlefield um, when it's going on. I mean, it does feel fairly repetitive, I guess, the the longer you go in, like 49 hours into the game for me, I, I sort of just kind of adopt the same strategy every time. So perhaps kind of going into that pact and, and ramping up the difficulties, not not so much of a bad shout. I do like um, the... Um, uh, Megara and Electo, and especially Tissivini, who speaks only with the word murder. I think it's quite pleasant <laughs> when you come up to her. In my game today, she's just learned how to say um, part of Zagreus' name. So it's it's kind of amusing <laughs> watching them two interact. The one thing I will say with three of, three of those is, I never, still haven't, I can manage it, but I've never got a handle on Electo's rage mechanic. Yeah, I don't know if I'm supposed to be interrupting it, or if I'm making it worse, or... and. I yeah, I've never quite got the handle on that. As I say, I, I can I do enough <laughs> damage. I can do enough damage that it doesn't matter. Mostly, I should have got to the point where it's entirely manageable by that point in the run. But yeah, never quite got a hang of it. Um, she's the toughest, in my opinion, of the three of them. She was the one I had the most trouble with, anyway. Yeah, 
yeah, it gets really intense once you've got her and then Meg pitches in with a load of attacks whilst you're being chased around the environment. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's all good fun. Um, yeah. Um, so, another piece of uh, forum feedback. I'm trying to fit in as much as I can because we got so much. I had to pare people's feedback down. So apologies if not everything gets in, but we'll try and hear from most people who gave uh, feedback. So, from the forum again, Tolkien Taters says, this is the first roguelike or light I've actually enjoyed. Even though that may have been down to using God Mode, I really enjoyed it. It's got a great visual presentation with some fun combat that doesn't get too repetitive. Hades is a fun twist on Greek mythology with a compelling take on almost every character that makes meeting someone new a real delight. I don't have much else to say. It's a great game. And then following on from that, uh, we have another one. Leah, could you please? Yeah, Capone Adam from the forum says, The only supergiant game that hooked me instantly. I loved it, but I think I played it wrong. Perhaps this is just me working within the games industry for so long. But to me, God Mode suggests cheating, a way to debug the game. So after avoiding using it for the longest time, I enabled it after around 40 runs. It seems most people were finishing this game after 20 to 30 runs, but for me, it took in excess of 60. I really wish I had enabled it earlier, as by the time I finally did my first full run, I was exhausted by the repetitive nature of the game. God mode sounded like cheating to me, but really it's more akin to switching on easy mode, something I often do while I'm short on time and the game systems are no longer evolving. Yeah. I had a similar experience, actually. I, mm -hmm. I think I didn't really know what it was that God Mode did. Yeah. I did not get that many runs in before I somebody said something to me, and I was like, oh, okay, yes. And then yeah. this this newest, uh, as I'm playing on PlayStation, I actually switched it on uh, just right away. So I yeah. I don't think that's a bad I'm thing. A lot, like, I'm favorable with God Mode. I mean, I don't, I don't recognize it as, as cheating. I mean, it was a... Like, it seems like a good solution to a problem that they... Because by this point, I mean, God Mode was added in, in 2019 uh, on a game that had been in essentially beta uh, or early access, depending on the way you look at it, for a year. So they must have had some kind of intelligence to be able to suggest that this was a necessity or something that was going to alleviate a problem that we're doing. And, and for me, it's kind of like classic agile delivery, you know? Like, you see a problem, you look for a solution, and then you add it. I, I think, like, it, it's an option um and um yeah i think it's a really good way of of kind of breaking the spine of hades a little bit and making it a little bit more accessible yeah yeah absolutely and they also introduced um hell mode um which forces you to bring packs of punishment in right from the off so you've got two options there i i kind of i do agree with what um capone adam says there just that it completely fits the game to call it god mode it makes perfect sense it dovetails nicely with the theme of the game the problem is God Mode does kind of mean something very specific, which is something that a lot of people would use as a cheat after they've already played through a game, they just want to have fun with it. And in this case, I would say I kind of use it that way in that on both of the, the different uh, versions I played, I played through, certainly through my first completion, till I got two or three and I got to the point where I'm like, right, I want to make a run now at 10 completions, 10 escapes uh, to move the story forward. And now I'm like, okay, if I get a bad run, I don't. I want to be able to see that through, even in spite of maybe not getting quite the the build I want. So put God mode on. It just is a way of speeding you towards the story's end, and I would absolutely recommend anyone who's getting frustrated but still wants to stick with it. If you're frustrated and don't, absolutely fine. If you're frustrated and kind of just want to speed through a certain amount of what feels like repetition or grind, 
putting God mode on just boosts your resistance, only increasing by 2% if you die. So it's not suddenly an instant win condition. You're still going to be taking damage. You're still going to be struggling mm-hmm. on bad runs, and it will just help get you over a bit of a, a, um, a hump in the game. Uh, possibly well, so well, yeah, this is definitely it. recommend and it's something that is as far as i'm aware unique to hades and i have to think it contributed towards the kind of appeal of this game like really opened yep. up the genre yep. and made it something that was more accessible to to like a broader yep. audience like yep. how many how many roguelikes make the kind of game of the year category um <laughs> i mean that's a, obviously a spurious yep. academic question but it, it's one of those sort of conversations that i, I think it's undeniably an, an asset to the game rather than a, something that takes away yeah. from it. Yeah, play, player choice. We've seen it with um, Celeste. It did not ruin that game to give players way to, ways to tailor the game to what they need. This game does not go so far, but there's a lot more, I think it's fair to say, going on mechanically. So just having that one mode where you can just toggle it on doesn't make any difference to the game or achievements or anything like that. It's an option there to just give you a bit of a bump if you need it. Um, so, mechanically, we have talked a lot about this game before we got onto the gameplay sections, but we haven't even touched on a lot of the different currencies, of which there are five. None of them are purchased outside of game. It's all inside game stuff, but if you know, it does look a little bit like how many different currencies do I have here uh, in terms of it's a long tail on it, so they want to keep you as I say, kind of churning through for that. We haven't touched on the Mirror of Night, which gives you different ways of kind of tailoring certain aspects of where little boosts you can get. So do you get a little bit of health back at the end of each room, or do you um, get the ability to come back from death once per run or once per room, but with less health? It's just tailoring certain aspects of the game. that uh, We haven't talked about the Wretched Broker, who allows you to kind of um, transfer... Um, your different currencies between one another. Daedalus hammers, which fundamentally change the way some of the weapons work in run, not just between runs. Um, Centaur hearts, keepsakes, lists of minor prophecies, which are kind of your in-game sort of goals and achievements. And chaos gates, which uh, give you sort of short-term changes to how you need to play the game for a longer-term benefit. I always take the Um, chaos gates every single time. (laughs) i rarely take the chaos gates i just don't i don't like losing that hit of health that you have to go down to without even knowing whether it's going to be something that you want to i mean i guess that's why it's chaos (laughs) they can be but i i don't know i yeah it's it's (laughs) I'm, i'm between the two of you i end up taking the chaos gates because i want to talk to chaos more than for the 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 benefits but and the same with the shop where you can buy uh, a um, Karen's like benefit type thing where you get the benefit but only for like 5 or 10 or 15 rooms I only take that if I know I'm close to the boss room yeah. if I don't think yeah. it's going to reach same. the boss room I tend to not and it's a bit like that with Chaos Gates I'm in it more for the story and if I happen to get something that is cool great otherwise I'll just take something that's inconsequential and kind of ignore it um okay apologies to have to breeze through that but there's so much to talk about here and i want to get through we've got another few pieces of for of uh, correspondence um so rich would you take the next one please 
Yep, so Oni Omoregi, or Omoregi, from Patreon writes, This is one of my all-time favorite games. It checks all of my boxes for what I love about games. Great writing, great gameplay loops, great voice acting, and great characters. I'll never forget the first time that I beat Hades and the satisfaction it gave me. I immediately did another run and dived back into the game's wonderful world. Such an immaculate game that will stay in my heart forever. And from Ashman86 on the forum... For me, Hades' siren call continued for weeks and dozens of hours until I'd last unlocked the final achievement, my first ever 100% clear on Steam. Even then, I was drawn to the game, determined to unlock Skelly's final statue, which I finally did using a Fists of Malfon build that worked out better than I could have dreamed, even on 32 Heat. Which, for anyone who knows how, <laughs> 32 Heat is outrageous. I, That's wild, yeah. yeah. Playing about with four or five is like, oh, which one do I own? Oh, no, I'm not really sure. 32 is just like, yeah, just turn everything on and you're in for It's a the time. time limit that you've got on a 32 heat as well. Yeah. Like, that is really, that's really weird. restrictive. Oof. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's tough. But yeah, yeah. Um, I will say on the uh, forum as well, Ashman86 did provide a link to that particular run, which definitely worth a watch for if you want to see what that late game sort of, if you want uh, to be sad like... about your own <laughs> abilities. Absolutely. Sometimes I do. That's fine. Uh, Leah, I wonder if you could uh, furnish us with the next piece of forum feedback, please. Certainly. Alex79 from the forum says, I was instantly won over by Hades graphics, gameplay, and voice acting. I think they've managed to get some terrific performances from the actors involved, capturing the mood of the characters perfectly. The moment-to-moment fighting is endlessly fun, and it's always exciting to see what upgrades are coming your way, or what each new room is going to throw at you. I've not managed to complete a run yet, the third area is my limit so far, but it's a game that shall remain installed on my console for as long as I have it, and although I'm not putting in hour-long sessions anymore, I dip in and out fairly regularly. For me, this is the culmination of all of Supergiant's previous work, with aspects from all of their other games creeping into Hades, and again, for me, it's their best work so far, too. So uh, I just wanted to say on that, um, I love the idea of playing the game that way, where it's just every so often it's your, I'll play it once or twice a week, maybe a different run and just every so often make some progress, but not worry about it. As I said, I, because of circumstance of when I happened to get to these, I ended up with a really focused session on Switch where I just was playing it nonstop over and over and over and over until I got to the point where I was like, right, I'm good. I'm putting this down now. Um, and I ended up doing that again with the Xbox version, getting through until I'd unlocked all the achievements. And now, having played it a bit this week, I'm like, I should have this just always installed, huh. just ready to pick up wherever I am just for a run through. It should be the equivalent of my toilet game threes or whatever <laughs> it is. It should be that for me. The problem is... Yeah, a long run through can last easily, sort of forty minutes, and that's yeah. that's too long. People should be worried about me if I'm on the toilet for that. <laughs> well, I, I detect. Although you a, can save wherever, so and on Switch, that's, you can just, that is yeah, kind of nice. Yeah, you can just power yeah. button, stay, uh, put it into stay, uh, stand by. That's James, where I was though, at. that is a repetitive strain injury waiting to happen. I fear. <laughs> My hands do kind of hurt. I will. I will say. Yeah. I've gotten some hand cramps from playing Hades so hard over the past week or so. Oh, so if, if I was playing that's this how on... hardcore I am. <laughs> if I was playing this on Joy-Con, my hands would be toast at this point. 
Thank, thankfully, I've got the uh, the Hori Switchpad Pro. Not sponsored, but Hori, reach out. Um, which is just <laughs> if it, they it's want bi- to, it's you know, bigger. Uh, so it just fits in my hands a bit better, a bit more like a split Xbox controller. So uh, that that works. But yeah, it's it's one that I would definitely go uh, square eyed if I played this as much as I wanted to. <laughs> um, Rich, would you like to give us our last piece of long-form feedback? Indeed. So Killian O'Brien from Patreon writes, I tend to bounce off roguelites. I'm never quite able to get into them. Hades broke that mold for me. The game consistently forced me out of my usual comfort zone of relying on an optimum strategy. Another classic from Supergiant. Keen to see what they dip and do next. Yeah, I had a bit of a... A quick cast around and I couldn't find any information on what um, Supergiant are doing next and that's going to sound like it's criticism, it's not they actually did a really good job of keeping Hades under wraps until the announcement at um, Game Awards we know that Game Awards stuff and E3 stuff leaks like 24 hours before nowadays if not more and they managed to keep this under wraps until it came out and then they they did a nice sort of surprise switch announcement as well Um, so I expect to hear from Supergiant when they are ready and I expect them to be able to keep it under wraps as well. And I also know that they spent a long time on this game. It wasn't just a get get to 2020 and we're done. They've stuck with it. They've added to it. Um, They've only been a year since they they sort of put out the most recent uh, console versions of this. So I don't necessarily expect to hear anything soon with the way everything is in development in the moment especially as well i would say as important as what they are releasing it's more important how are they deploying this like how are they releasing Mm -hmm. it like you know i spoke at the beginning about how they've kind of used an incremental developmental cycle uh to try and drive quality into the game and and what we've got at the end is is a product that's won multiple game of the year so like if they can really capitalize on that then they're going to be one of the one of a few studios that can really leverage that kind of mechanism to actually get some exceptional quality out of out of their, their kind of oeuvre. Yeah, and it's worth saying, um, from talking about, this was one of those few games that went to early access that I did hear people talking about during early access. What also happened was, when it released in September 2020, there was such a buzz around this game that it ended up, unusually for something that goes into early access, being a game that then releases and in its year of release no one thinks oh do we discuss this now in game of the year or should it really have been no it ended up being game of the year in a load of places it was in discussions everywhere and it kind of broke that situation of yeah but it's already been out for two years so it doesn't count now it was like no no this goes on the list this year because now's when we want on this this game of the year awards list um and it it absolutely knocked out of the park uh in terms of of that in uh, 2020 so right we have heard everything we have had for long form content thank you so much there was so much that i wanted to make sure we got as much as we could in so apologies if we didn't get everything that you had to say but i think we got something in from everyone who submitted um to us i think apologies if not um but it's a game that obviously a lot of people played and had quite a range of feedback i was expecting it to be almost universally positive and i'm really pleased that it wasn't because it allowed us to dive in and really talk about where this type of game can't work for everyone and that's reflected also in our three word reviews so on day of recording um at 
midday UK time, but not that it matters. Um, a tweet will go out from the Canaan Rinse uh, Twitter account at Canaan Rinse, uh, and we will ask for your review of the game in three words. No more, no less. Sometimes we fudge the rules around the edges. <laughs> uh, I will kick us off uh, with the first. We have quite a, a few, so um, enjoy these. Alex Dolar says, Deified Deed Rotator. Wu Ching Long says, Dad Murder Simulator. Hyperdeath84 <laughs> says, One More Run. Nick Tendo, uh, equally fittingly, says, Live, Die, Repeat. Ashman86, Hell of a Game, Hades. Ludo Narrative FM, strong pomegranate representation. We didn't even really talk about Palms of Power, but yeah. <laughs> good pomegranate representation for pomegranate fans everywhere. It's about time as well. <laughs> it's, <laughs> We've it's, all been waiting. Yeah. Apples have just been absolutely running right out here. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that meant. I apologise. <laughs> <laughs> the ma- It's hot. It's really warm here. We haven't mentioned it too much, I don't think. It's really warm here at the moment. The Manipool, always pet Cerberus, 100%. Yes, every time. Uh, Johnny Revichol says, almost perfect gameplay. BLC Agnew, onwards and upwards. Gabby Peartree says, Orpheus loves Eurydice. <laughs> I, I can't help but think of that in Johnny Loves Chachi. <laughs> yes, <laughs> well, I was actually laughing at the next one, um, which I'm going to try and uh, give the proper reading to. Matthew Kesby says, by old man. <laughs> Bulbasaur 271, serious daddy issues. <laughs> uh, Deadbeat Punk, one we've had it before, but it, it bears repeating. One more run. Quince93 says, Horny Beyond Compare. I feel targeted. <laughs> Tales from the Backlog. Butterfly Balls. Run. Tree Smurf says, Zagreus. Thanks, mate. Eat My Pixie Dust says, Hell effing yes. MGL Gaming. Totally unexpected enjoyment. Game Game Show. Roguelike, I like. X Ben Blaster X, the sword sucks. Cosmos Within Us, surprisingly engaging narrative. Jamier01, made roguelike accessible. Talk Taper says, death rewards narrative. Jordan Rees, run like hell. Karma Police, fantastic family feuding. And Ever Beyond Reach, sexy Sisyphean slaughter. Okay, I didn't target any of those at anyone. It just happens. That <laughs> I think yeah, each thanks. one of us thanks, got James. one. Yeah, thanks. got at least one, if not more, that just absolutely suited us. That's what happens when you get quite as many three-word reviews. Thank you so much for everyone's feedback. That has been a, a huge part of this uh, this issue, and one I've been really uh, delighted with. Um, it only remains really for us to give our summaries. Um. I put down an order that I didn't really know. Again, we try and go with someone who's more positive last. I actually quite like the way this goes. So, Leah, would you like to tell us how you feel about Hades? Sure. Uh, I I really liked Hades, uh, first of all, and I think that people should play it if they have access to it. I, I think that even if you don't generally like uh, roguelikes or roguelites, last time i'll say that probably <laughs> it's <laughs> it's something that could work for you and and maybe it won't we've heard plenty of correspondence from people where that was not necessarily the case but uh it's it's so polished and it is so well constructed and clearly has had so much work and so much love put into 
most aspects, if not all aspects of it that I think it's really worth a try. I, like I say, have put a pretty decent amount of time into it um, and enjoyed almost all of it, with the exception that, as I said, there, there were some parts where I personally did not maybe feel that my skills were up to the task because it's not a super easy game it is pretty hard even when you are using the god mode so if that's something that appeals to you i i think that you're really gonna like this and um it has so much that can kind of keep you involved and can just make you want to keep going to see what the next chunk of story or the next mechanic that might get unlocked is it, it really kind of drips out that that content in all senses of the word uh it, it just it makes it it makes it really enticing to continue onward and and rewarding when you do get there so yeah i really enjoyed hades i'm probably going to continue playing it um and i i don't know that i'm going to continue playing it forever but i i definitely am going to at least go back and finish off i i really want to finish at least one run with each of the uh weapons and i still have the shield and the sword to go so i uh i'm going to i'm going to keep going at least for a little while longer and i i yeah i recommend if you have not played it and you've made it this far then you you should you should give it a shot Fantastic. Thank you very much. Uh, Rich, how about yourself? Yeah, strong, strong, strong like, not love, I would say. I think, um, you know, I, I, I love, like, adore Pyre as a game, and I don't want my kind of sort of general sort of lack of affection for Hades to be an indictment of how good I think the game is. I actually think it's wonderful. Like, it's infinitely playable. It is accessible. It's kind of beautiful. It, it, it's just a joy to play. And it it has more to give than probably what I will give to Hades as a game. I think, you know, it's a very accommodating roguelite. It's got so much quality of life improvements in there and it's very well considered. So it should appeal to pretty much everybody if you've got a little bit of time and a modicum of patience to apply to the game. What I want to try and focus on with, with Hades, though, is less what it is it impresses me uh it's more how it got to where it is that impresses me so like my job is in it delivery and the delivery mechanism for hades and the patch notes and the amount of constant uh, updates it got through i don't know if it's sprints or just timelines through like a waterfall approach just showed just what's achievable if you're able to leverage that kind of uh, early access beta mechanism and i'd like to see that a little bit more in games as we go through so that we can start to tackle some of the more kind of uh sinister aspects of, of games development to do with crunch and and kind of meeting the expectations of shareholders and all of that sort of good stuff i think it's a real champion for how to deliver a game over time and how to react to some of the the feedback from your players to just drive quality in and actually, at the point that the delivery came about in August of 2021, what was there was just an exceptional package. And it's rightly considered to be Game of the Year among many, many, many places. And I think it's it stands up there as one of the finest games of the last couple of years. I just wish, on a personal level, that there was a way to kind of express a little bit more out of the plot and of the story that didn't require such a time commitment and didn't lean into some of the 
kind of, um, I used the word sinister before, but I'm probably going to use the word less desirable uh, aspects of like um, uh, addictive game design. But yes, uh, the strongest of recommends for me, and, and I cannot wait to, to see what Supergiant move on to next. Excellent. Thank you very much. Yeah, I suspected you might be kind of least hot on the game among us, but the fact that it's it's that is what counts as, as least positive is uh, <laughs> I think speaks to to Hades and to Supergiant in general. Um yeah, I have to say I saved myself from last because I think I'm probably most positive, but even with the criticisms the completely valid valid criticisms we've heard I think what astounds me most about this is Supergiant reached outside their comfort zone. Not necessarily in terms of the gameplay or the storytelling or the stuff you would usually break down as components of a game, but in the development, exactly as you said, Rich. And the fact that they seem to be developing games differently in terms of how they structure themselves and how they project manage that, and that they are open about how much preserving their the well-being of themselves and their employees as developers cannot be separated from one another. They are paying attention to how to develop a game and they are aware of the risks that that presents in terms of how they deliver the game to an audience that expects something and they are managing those expectations. The, the documentary I mentioned goes into how much they agonize over all of those decisions, not just in terms of balancing the game, in terms of presenting and polishing uh, the audio and the art and the design of how the game plays, but in how they deliver it to their fans. They got to know their fans and they got to know what they wanted. And then they spent two years in dialogue with their fans after they'd already done loads of development on this to really hone down something that stands slightly apart for me from the rest of their other three games transistor will always be the one that um i think of as like my my soulmate of their games if you like because it showed me a type of game that i didn't know i liked and absolutely had me head over heels for the characters and the story that's being told in that game that said i cannot deny that for me this is as as one of our uh, contributors earlier, um, well, let me just check. Alex79 says, this is a culmination. I see so many different parts from, from Bastion with the different weapons and different builds and how they all kind of work great from um, Transistor that you're encouraged to vary the weapons you're using and the, the uh, abilities you're using. Um, and then to Pyre in terms of art style and the way that they brought an ensemble together to tell a story. Um, it pulls from all of their learning and to see a company do that with a game that they took so much of a risk with how they made it and delivered it is, it absolutely blew me away. I feel foolish for having waited until it came out on Switch at the kind of 1.0 uh, release for doing that. If and when Supergiant release another game, I'm not just going to be there to play it, but if it is early access again, I am absolutely going to be there. Going through this, as I say, I didn't get as much time this week to play the game as I wanted, but I'm almost determined to go back to Bastion and do a complete sort of playthrough of all four games, just because I want to go back and see these games again, and, and Hades feels like an end cap to that. I don't know what comes next, but I am thrilled 
to have been on each of these four shows and to look forward to what Supergiant are doing next. Pia too. I know that's... Uh (laughs) I know that's skating along like hyperbole and you know I'm not saying this is a game for everyone but for me I loved the way it blended together and and came out so I can only say thank you to Leah and Rich for putting up with with me on this Uh, but for joining me and having this discussion I think it's been a fantastic discussion by the time you hear it Editor Jay will have worked his wonder and made us all sound at least 50% 50% better than we deserve. Well, me, 50%. You guys, 10 Um, You're already excellent. There's not much as much improvement can be done. Uh, Jay is editing. Thank you to him. We had a lot of correspondence for this, both uh, longer form on forum and Patreon and on Twitter. Thank you a huge amount for all of that. It really helped me structure this set of show notes and helped sort of keep us uh, on the ball in terms of what we wanted to talk about. And the last people to thank you, the last person to thank you is... The person who to whom I'm speaking now, thank you very much for listening. You are always welcome, and it's always an absolute pleasure to have you on the other end of, I was going to say an iPod, but that's just not the case, um, <laughs> wherever you're listening. Next time in issue 533, you do not need to make a deal with the devil to listen to our Cuphead podcast. Mm-hmm.